So uh, way before I did Stoops of Atlantis, and I've only been doing Stoops of Atlantis since April of 2019, so it's not even been a year. But years ago, like 15 years ago, I dabbled with a, uh, a concept called in-orbit radio, which was... Yeah, I've always been interested in radio storytelling. Uh, I just love... There's something about the spoken word that, to me, is even more uh, intriguing and, in a lot of ways, even more visual than TV or movies. And it started with listening to Gene Shepard when I was a little kid. I had the uh, the transistor radio under my pillow. My father had introduced me to Gene Shepard, and I loved just listening to him tell stories. And then when I got older, uh, my sister Debbie introduced me to Joe Frank, and he is a, another brilliant storyteller. Uh, very surreal, uh, off the wall, really interesting, dark, moody stories. And uh, between those two, uh, I really wanted to just get involved with radio storytelling. So I started this uh, in-orbit radio, which was it, it dealt with this like an alter an alter ego called Kilroy Gansky, and uh, he he was from East Harlem, but he hung around really high-end circles with billionaires, and uh, he made friends and enemies, and, and you know these powerful people. And uh, it ends up he wakes up one morning in a in, in orbit around the Earth in a spy satellite, very comfortable little uh, cabin that was attached to the spy satellite, probably done as a practical joke by one of his billionaire friends. He's not sure why he's up there, so he just decides to just talk to kind of keep on to his sanity. And uh, these stories that I did about I think I did two episodes or about an hour each, and it was completely improv. I didn't write a word of it. I just turned on the mic and just started telling these stories and they get pretty bizarre uh I, I found them really interesting i don't know if any of you will uh but i'm gonna put them out there just as a little little bonus to the stoops of atlantis just another side of of me and my storytelling and i'll put them out there in, in, in 10 minute clips or whatever I'll, I'll figure that out so yeah i'm gonna start out here's the first 10 minutes now the audio quality is not going to be as good as the Stoops of Atlantis, uh, I had a really cheap mic, and I didn't really know what I was doing. And in the mix with the music may not be great, but you should be able to hear it. You know, you should be able to understand it uh, audibly. I don't know about <laughs> thematically; it's pretty bizarre. But I think they they were fun. And well, yeah, here we go. Here is the first ten minutes of in orbit radio. <laughs> I never really minded being alone. In fact, I, I usually enjoy it. But this just might be taking the perfect meditative setting a bit too far. I'm sitting alone in a 10 by 12 by 8 foot probe, orbiting the Earth at 200 miles up. Actually, my predicament is really not that different than the average office worker who spends their days in cubicles of fake wood furniture and cheap plastic and cold light. I have an amazing view. Just sit back and watch the earth roll by as the sun lights up the countless masses of human sheep, psychotics, mystics, complete morons, 
and the many, many nobodies who will never be anybody, at least not in the eyes of those who think they have the right to set the standards for such things. Then I just watch as night drifts in and weaves those same countless masses in the dark. At least I'm out of their reach. Out of reach of their insults, critiques, reviews, bullets, laws, sermons, procedures, rules, fake flirtations, and phony letters of endorsement. Maybe this isn't such a bad deal. Maybe this is where we began. Maybe I'm back in the world. with people on both ends of the pyramid. I found that I like and dislike them both with equal passion. Human beings are like that, and we're all equal parts of love and hate, shadow and light, yin and yang, mean and kind, good-hearted, amiable, truth-seeking Joes, and greedy, violent, dark-souled bastards, straight-cat-adopting, hug-giving, toss-a-few-bucks-in-the-homeless-man's-cup nice guys, and kick an elderly woman into traffic because he got downwind of her horrid body odor creeps. You get my point. I've enjoyed my days watching neighborhood stickball games with telephone company workers, construction men, and low-level monster wannabes up on Pleasant Avenue where I grew up. That's up in uh, East Holm, for those of you who don't know where that is. It's the scene in uh, The Godfather where James Conn beats up his brother-in-law. That was on Pleasant Avenue. But I've also overlooked Central Park in Duplex apartments, sipping the finest brandies and smoking Cuban cigars and munching on the finest caviar. And I did this with men whose entertainment bills exceeded most cities' weekly lottery prizes. And some of these blue-collar stickball players were ignorant, cold-hearted slobs, and some of the top pyramid people were wonderful, sincere human beings. And vice versa, vice versa, vice versa. Every permutation and combination. Scampering down on that bowl of blueberry and cream 200 miles below. said that uh, millionaires laugh at astrology and billionaires follow it with the intensity of a grateful dick will be. Billionaires' interests have always been more than just about money. They're a completely different animal. You see, we, when you piss off a millionaire, 
the worst you can expect to happen is a, it's a lawsuit, or they'll hire a hitman, and call a good bully, or the less sound you'll hear is a bullet cracking the air as it races to your brain. But never piss off a bird. They could be a bit more eccentric, esoteric. They have the real discretionary income to go that extra mile, have that extra laugh, experiment in the fine art of whimsical retaliation. Same thing applies if you garner the affection. Forget about a gourmet food basket or a case of top vintage crude champagne. It's crude, crude or crook. Forget about a brand new Lexus, you know, that's pedestrian. Billionaire shoes very rarely touch pavement. I was lucky, at least I thought it was at the time. I got pretty close to a man not five years my senior who had joined the seven-digit club making top-of-the-line, state-of-the-art cookware and cutlery for the military. It was the only line of kitchenware that was coated with special polymers to keep it safe from sandstorms, intense heat, and prolonged exposure to crude oil fires. He'd admitted that he'd become a fan of my late-night radio show. We shared the love of that intimacy, the feeling of being alone on a dark and desolate highway in the cozy warm bosom of your car. That's what late-night radio elicits. I told him I often felt like an astronaut, alone in a capsule, speaking out to the universe. So we got into this long conversation about civilians in space. We talked until the sun rose, polishing off a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue. See, it had always been a dream of mine to throw away the veil of earthbound reality and peer out at infinity. Real infinity. You see, no matter how clear the sky is that caps your backyard or your rooftop, it still feels two-dimensional. Even midnight in the Mojave is limited by the horizon, which jacks like blinders do on a carriage horse. Anyway, he confessed to me that he, if he really wanted, he could have arranged for a trip for himself aboard the shuttle or the International Space Station. See, that's one of the perks of being a billionaire that not exactly common knowledge. But he could never actually go through with it. He was both claustrophobic and acrophobic. He then winked and smiled and gave me a knowing look and changed the subject. He asked if I could possibly revisit a theme in a show I had done a few months earlier. A theme that had particularly struck his fancy. It's the dietary practices of shaman elders and its applications to 21st century business ethics or something like that. He promised that if I did, he would be forever grateful. And he winked again and smiled again. And I, I reminded myself that a promise for payback from a billionaire could be a good thing. I agreed, and to make a very, very long and complicated story short, this billionaire with a heart of gold delivered the most exotic gourmet food basket one would ever dream of. And although he couldn't pull off a shuttle trip or international space station visit, a 10 by 12 by 8 annex was added to a spy satellite built by his brother-in-law's defense contracting firm. I would reside in his annex, which was complete with a sofa, a toilet, refrigerator, a sleeping compartment, and the aforementioned window. There could be no sort of communications equipment because they couldn't risk my being detected by the pure heart members of government or some nosy earthbound ham operator. If I was to freak out or get sick, feel lonely, 
whatever, that would be my problem to deal with. Two weeks I would have. I would orbit the Earth for two weeks and have my dream come true. You see, a defect had been intentionally added into the key camera circuitry of this very expensive satellite. A repair mission would naturally be sent, and I would be secretly brought back to Earth by the crew members of the Atlantis or whatever shuttle went out to fix it. Can you imagine how easy it must be for billionaires to get laid? So, uh, yeah, that's the, the first 10 minutes or so of uh, the first part of In Orbit Radio. Uh, the next part, we move into uh, the interesting, the really interesting part with uh, dealing with uh, well, extraterrestrials and Area 51 and Bubikoi and Pleasant Avenue. and <clears throat> Yeah, <laughs> it's fun stuff. It's off the wall. Uh, but uh, it's different, interesting. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I'll pop these in with mixed in with the Stoops of Atlantis podcast uh, here and there and, uh, you know, check them out. We need something. We need some distraction, right? All right. We'll see you soon.